Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by BJ Armstrong, a.k.a. The Kid. And as you may know, if you were an audience of this show, we are full on a Detroit podcast. And joining us today, the general the general manager of the Detroit Pistons, Mr. Troy Weaver. Mr. Weaver, how you doing? Coach Weaver is what BJ wants to call you, so I'll call you Coach Weaver as well. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be on and be able to uh, communicate with you guys this way via uh, Zoom in light of uh, the pandemic, but um, I'm excited to be joining you guys today. Well, you know, Coach, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I always refer to you, Coach, but I got to change your title now. <laughs> the GM, BGM, with a capital T in front of it. BGM, <laughs> I have my Stafford shirt on. <laughs> and you got your Detroit Tigers hat on. So as official here on the Push It Through podcast, we have to officially welcome you to the city of Detroit by saying, what up, though? <laughs> <laughs> welcome, coach. Welcome to the city. The city of Detroit is fired up. I got so many calls and uh, we just want to congratulate you on, you know, you taking the job, accepting the job and uh, coming to our wonderful city up there. And, uh, uh, we appreciate you and uh, share with us a little bit what it's like in your, uh, you know, your first month or so on the job. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a tremendous opportunity. Uh, I'm humbled by the whole situation. Detroit Pistons is a storied franchise. Uh, a lot of greatness there. I said in my press conference, and I'll con- you'll continuously hear me say, uh, it's not a rebuild, it's a restoring. We want to uh, restore the Piston brand, bring great basketball back to the city. Uh, we want to uh, engage the community uh, so they can be proud of the product that we uh, hope to put on the floor. But uh, we're excited about the opportunity. I'm looking forward to uh, throwing myself into the city. I got on this Detroit Tigers hat. It's one of the 10 most classic hats in pro sports. Um, well, Coach, you can't say one of. You got to say now it is the most classic. <laughs> we from Detroit now. Hey, hey, it's it is the it is the best hat. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the, the English D is special, so I'm, uh, I'm honored to uh, put it on. I, I'm just thrilled about this opportunity to restore the Pistons uh, back to uh, what the city is uh, accustomed to having it. And you mentioned the it's not a rebuild, it's a restoring. There's eight teams that are not in the bubble right now in the NBA. And if you kind of look at those franchises, there's a lot of history that's out there. There's the Chicago Bulls, of course, that we all just watched the last dance and, and what Michael Jordan did there. We know about what the New York Knicks have been able to do. And obviously, you just mentioned the Detroit Pistons and what, what the, the storied franchise that is there, the, the the lineage of great players. And if you look at the, the great players in the league today, uh, you know, with Kevin Durant and Chris Paul, everyone was very excited for you when you went to Detroit and you went to the Pistons. And there's a lot of good energy. And, you know, just being in that position to have these players, you know, support you and you see that support, you see BJ so excited. Does it give you new juice to go to Detroit? Does Detroit seem excited to embrace you uh, and embrace the idea of the Pistons coming back? Because as a fan, it feels like it's time. We, we want the Pistons to come back. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, right time, right place. First of all, those players reaching out and wishing me well. Um, all these jobs, whether it's the coach, the GM, uh, is to serve the players. Whether I was a scout, assistant GM, or what have you, uh, I believe that's my mission is to serve the players, put them in the best position to be successful. Uh, and let the chips fall, but 
I try to make sure that um, they understand uh, what the plan is going forward and put them in position. I never wanted to be the coach or scout or front office guy that didn't tell the players the truth. So whether it's the 15th man or, or, or the top guy, I'm going to tell them the truth so we can work together and uh, try to attain our goal, which is um, collectively putting a team out there that the community can be uh, proud of, but more importantly, have an organization that the Detroit metro area can feel proud of. I have one goal in Detroit. I want people, when they're leaving their homes, to say, oh, I need to go grab my piston hat. Or if we're playing on the road, they're sitting in their, in their home, I want them to feel good and put their piston hat on while, they, uh, while they're watching the game. That's my only goal. Leave the house and say, ah, I need my piston hat. But you're sitting there on the couch, put your piston hat on and really embrace the restoring of the pistons. You know, Troy, when you, when you got the job and, and, and doing your press conference, and when you said this isn't a rebuild, but restoring, my phone exploded. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I was like, is everything all right? They was like, who is this Troy Weaver? Guy? I was like, well, you know, good friend. Great. They was like, no, he, he has leadership. He has an identity. You, the, the people there could identify what you were saying because people forget the history that's in Detroit. The Isaiah Thomases. Well, let's go back before then. Let's go back to Dave Bean and the Dauber. Okay. <laughs> and and then with Kelly Trapuca. And don't forget Dick Vitale was there. And then <laughs> Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars, who's who was nice enough to come on the podcast. And, you know, Rip Hamilton and Chauncey Billups. And there's a there's a rich history there in Detroit, and people forget about that. And when you said that, we suck our chest out again. And I heard from Derek Coleman, Syracuse. <laughs> I heard from Dave Bean. Did you understand that, or how did you understand that your first day on the job? Well, during the process of getting the job, when I looked at the Pistons organization, that's I mean that's what really excited me. Not only did they have a rich tradition in basketball, but the city. I mean, tremendous city. is one of the cities that uh, I always looked at as one of the great cities in the United States. The Pistons organization being inside of that made it even more enticing. When you go into a, a rich city uh, with such a tremendous community, but we aren't trying to reinvent the wheel. We're trying to dust it off uh, shine it up. That's what Isaiah Thomas teams did. That's what the Rip Hamilton and uh, Chauncey Billups and Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, that's what those did. They didn't have a special model. They didn't, it wasn't like, okay, we're just going to draft everybody or we're going to just trade for guys or free agency. They did it a little bit of uh, every way you could. Uh, it's different ways to skin a cat. You know, people ask me, you just going to go in there and build through the draft or you know, how are you going to do it? I mean, we're going to do whatever's in the toolbox. We're going to pull it out. If we, if we have to sign free agents, if we have to draft, if we have to trade. But the model is to put a team out there that's smart and that's tough and that plays together. And that's what the D Detroit community is, is used to, a smart, tough team that will compete. That's uh, where I'm pulling all my energies into putting a team out there we can be proud of. But the, the restoring is those two great, those three great 
Piston teams in the past. Uh, I tease people all the time. Two of the greats from Washington, D.C., people think they're from Detroit because they see it, they did such great work. People think Dave Bing's from Detroit. He's from D.C. We claim him. People <laughs> think Marvin Gaye was from Detroit. He's from D.C. We claim him. Hopefully, I can do enough great work there that people one day say, oh, Troy Reed's from Detroit. So um, that's the way I'm approaching it. I'm going to throw myself in the community, roll my sleeves up, and hopefully we can uh, restore it and get it going like it used to be there. And, and BJ mentioned Joe Dumars, and, and Joe Dumars has been in that chair before, you know, in Detroit, kind of running the helm and getting guys in there. And there's a famous photo where Joe D's got uh, a cell phone and a landline. Like, you know, he's all locked in. He's making all the phone calls. And, you know, Joe, Joe D was making things happen. Uh, have you been able to connect with him at all? Have you been able to connect with Isaiah or any of these older guys to sort of kind of get that through line from the past to the present? Because, you know, Auburn Hills, the palace goes down, and, and now it's a, it's a new chapter. So it, it's exciting to see it all work out. Yeah, I had a chance to reach out to those guys where I have a good relationship with Joe. What's funny is Joe really – Joe went in the Basketball Hall of Fame as a player. He really should be in there as an executive as well. Uh, what he did yep. uh, with the Pistons is unheard of. Uh, I, I want to say five straight Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, that's right. Like, that, that, that's unheard of. So he alone should be in there just – if he never was a great player, he should be in there as executive. He should be in there twice. So, no, um, Joe, uh, he's always been great to me. Uh, reached out to Isaiah. He's one of the – he's the best player under six feet that play in the NBA. Oh. To me, that's not even close. But he uh, he was tremendous uh, when I reached out to him. Obviously, Dave Bing and I have D.C. ties and Syracuse ties. So, he, he's been great. And uh, he and I will uh, share a lot of good times together in Detroit. Looking forward to him. Derek Coleman. Uh, play for the Pistons his last right. year. Great Syracuse right. guy. Um, so the the welcome uh, in Detroit has been tremendous. Things have been a little slow because of um, you know the pandemic, right. but uh, hopefully soon when um, the country can get turned around and uh, get healthy, we'll be able to enjoy a lot of great times together. You know, uh, you know, uh, Troy. We want to definitely get to you know talking a little bit about basketball and kind of you know sharing your vision. Here, but before that, you work with some of my favorite people in the business. You know, you have Arn Tellum, who I've known com- like my complete adult life. Then you have my, my, uh, one of my favorite. He always brings a smile on my face, Ed Stefanski. And then you got Coach Casey. What has it been like to work with all of those people thus far as you guys now are, are building and building out your staff? And I know you got to do some other things you got to do. But what has it been like to work with those three guys? Because they're, you know, look, they're great at what they do, but they're just excellent people. Yeah, uh, I mean, their leadership, uh, those guys being wily old vets. I mean, you take on who was tremendous uh, in everything he's pretty much touched uh, and have him here and have his experience. I said in press conference, you know, the best thing for a rookie quarterback is to give him a running game. And with uh, Arn, Ed, and uh, Coach Casey, you gave me uh, two left tackles and a tight end. So those guys have been tremendous. Ed been a veteran. He's been around his league for a long time. Uh, he knows the ins and outs. Everybody respects him. Uh, he's been tremendous to uh, work with. Coach Casey and I have a lot of mutual friends. Uh, we've crossed paths in the business. 
he's had tremendous success in this league. So to have a veteran coach there and those two guys with Arn and Ed, who've been tremendous in uh, Arn's leadership and those guys being able to bounce ideas off of them and tell me to slow down or speed up. Or, uh, they've been tremendous help thus far this month. Uh, I couldn't ask for a better group of guys to learn from and to work with in my first opportunities as general manager. And I want to take it back, you know, you mentioned Arn. Uh, I want to take it back to 2008 because that, that was a time where, you know, BJ and you and Arn and you guys are all in Santa Monica and you're watching, you know, a bunch of guys from California like a Kevin Love and a Russell Westbrook. And then this young kid, Derek Rose, who ends up being the number one pick. And all those guys are coming into the league. And, and one of those guys that you really vouch for was a Russell Westbrook. And then obviously you're in OKC and, and you guys have that relationship. And people talked about your relationship with Paul George and Kevin Durant, all this sort of stuff. But the player evaluation part of it, what did you learn back in those days that you take now into being a GM um, from 08 to now in 2020? Well, big thing for me is my philosophy. I, I don't draft players, I draft people. Mm. And uh, most times when a player fails, it's because of the person, not because of this game. So I look at the DNA. Um, that's what's going to be most steady. Can so, you say that again? Can you just say that again, Coach? I feel so good when you say that. Can you just say that again, Coach? Because it feels so good when you said that. You know, you don't draft players. You draft what? I didn't hear. My speaker went out. <laughs> I draft DNA. I draft uh, people. The game will, will take, take shape, but that DNA doesn't change. Um, it's funny. Uh, during that 08 draft, I remember having countless conversations with uh, BJ and Arn, and they had three special players in that draft. Derrick Rose, obviously, Russell Westbrook, and Brooke Lopez. And I kept telling these guys, like, to be honest, I thought they were the top three players in that draft. Derrick, Russell, and Brooke Lopez. I thought they should have went one, two, three. And if you look at it now, I mean, O.J. Mayo, Kevin Michael Love, Beasley, Kevin yeah. Beasley, like those, those are the best three players in draft. That draft was incredible. Uh, I remember we could go out. We could still go out at this time. I was at Nike camp, and uh, I watched this kid for about 10 minutes. And I said, he was going to his junior year in high school. I said, I, I, haven't, seen, I haven't seen this before. I haven't seen this before. So they told me kid from Chicago and I just followed him around for two days. And I remember calling a great friend of mine saying, I never seen this. Y'all better find out who this kid is. And it was Derrick Rose. I said, I never seen it before. DJ was like, okay, I'll check him out. And <laughs> fast forward, he went on to become, you know, who he was and so, now, the 08 draft comes, and I'm watching this kid who I know is a special talent, Derrick Rose. And see, I see a kid beside him, and I'm saying, I haven't seen this before either. <laughs> so I'm saying, if Derrick Rose is here and this kid is on his heels, then I know one guy's great. And I'm saying, this kid is right behind him, so... I said, there's a lot of greatness in the building. And so I keep watching film and I keep watching Brooke Lopez. And I'm like, he's going to score 20 points for 15 years in the NBA. He's just 
hand, size, touch. So I, I was like, my, this, gra- this draft is un- unbelievable. So I was able to uh, work with Russell Westbrook for 12 years. And now uh, I get the pleasure of uh, being able to work with Derrick Rose. Um, two, <laughs> two guys who I think revolutionized the point guard position in the last 12 years for the NBA. Every, everybody is measured off of, is he D. Rose? Is he Westbrook? Those are guys, all these guys coming out, that's, that's what they're measuring themselves to. D. Rose and Westbrook, and now I get the pleasure of uh, working with Derrick Rose, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. You, you know, uh, Troy, we, we had so many countless discussions about those guys here, and we could go on and on and on and on about them, but I, I want to touch into, you're currently in a situation where now you're one of the eight teams that are not heading down to um, Orlando. And so what has kind of been the mindset of one of the franchises that, you know, could potentially go to the bubble. I guess one of the the cities or one of the places has been talking about going to Chicago. So what has been the mindset, what you guys or what you in particular have been trying to do to get the organization, the team, the players, and what's kind of the mindset as being one of those teams that, you know, that's not participating down there in the bubble? Yeah. Um, right now, I'm just following the NBA guidelines, but we're, we're fighting for, for something. I was uh, of the mindset, I agree with my former owner, Clay Bennett. I thought all 30 teams should have went to the bubble. To have no games from March until next December, I thought was kind of irresponsible. Um, but now uh, we're in that situation. So it's just like OTAs in the NFL, spring training. You have to, you, you, you have to simulate live competition sooner than later you want to put a good product on the floor and to be absent of that and to shut us down and not uh, allow us to um, compete and work together i think would be a travesty so we're fighting for uh, the bubble we'll, we'll go in the second bubble if they come to that or well, we're fighting for uh being able to work out uh, and create that in our own markets but uh, i think for the eight teams that aren't in a bubble uh, i think we're behind uh, and I think we need to uh, make sure that we can uh, get caught up to speed uh, and whatever um, iteration they bring to us. I think it's very important that we um, engage and uh, get our guys uh, in some form of uh, competitive environment uh, before the next season rolls around. And, and even as a GM, uh, you know, Troy, with with guys that are, potential free agents and, and trying to figure out what the team looks like and team building. That's obviously different. And, and you're, like you said, you're in your first year and you're learning anyway. I mean, it, everyone's learning. So that may be a good thing as well, but, but what does that look like in your mind? Just trying to figure that out, you know, the, the one, two of that. Yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of dialogue, the eight teams yeah. that aren't um, in it, but I mean, like you said, it's, it, it's so many variables. It factors into, you know, going into next year, team building, free agency, so many unknowns uh, that we're trying to work through. So we're just trying to make sure we can keep an open mind uh, and stay disciplined on the things we can control right now. Uh, And then when the 
uh, NBA comes back to us to be brings us some opportunities. We're ready to um, jump in and engage and maximize whatever opportunities that are put in, on the table in front of us. You, you know, Troy, um, you know, every year you, you hear things in the draft, there's always a narrative for the, for the draft, you know, and so I'm going to say it for you. So you don't have to say it. There's always <laughs> gems in the draft. So that way we don't, we, there's always gems in the draft. You know, there, there's always a player. There's always, you know, the right player in the right situation, but this is a very unusual situation because of this pandemic. How have you and, and your staff navigated? Because right now we can't bring the players in. You can't go, you know, go to a workout that, you know, agencies will have and interviewing the players. And then suddenly I think somewhere in October, there's going to be a draft. So how has this been different for you in particular in evaluating players? Because you can't, you know, they didn't finish the season in college basketball. You can't see the players here. You can't bring them in. You can't touch them and interview them. So how has that been? And, and can you share with us anything that you can share with us, how you guys have been kind of staying on top of, you know, this draft process, because it's very unusual. It's a, I don't know what you call it, but <laughs> it's certainly a, uh, it's different to say the least. <laughs> yeah, I mean, first of all, it's going to be the most overscouted draft in history because every every scout, every front office guy, every coach is going to watch film after film because you have so much time in front of you. So they'll, I mean, film study will be uh, at its highest level. The missing component would be the human interaction. Uh, the Zoom, you know, the Zoom interviews work, but not having human interaction to be able to bring a kid to Detroit, uh, take him out for a meal, sit and visit with him, really look in his eyes and uh, get to know him, you, you, you taking that away. So with that said, the best scouts do their work early. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to go overseas early and lay my eyes on all those kids and get to see quite a few games myself, um, even before I get to the scout. So I have a real comfort level on on guys in the draft. Like I said, just absent of the pieces, being able to sit down and look them eye to eye. But I, I, I've seen them live myself, uh, as well as film study. So we're just um, compiling all the information in hand, like everyone else is. And uh, we'll come, we'll come, we'll be ready. We'll come with an informed decision. And I can tell you this. Who, you got BJ fired. BJ's fired up. I can just see it in his eyes. <laughs> whoever we draft, uh, I want to uh, form a Pistons to say, okay, he's a Piston. I can just tell you that. Whoever it is, the Pistons of old will resonate with uh, this young man. I like that. I like that. That's big time. It's a big time sell. I, I have to I have to ask this, Troy, because one of the headlines I saw when you type in Troy Weaver, it comes up. Kevin Durant says, you know, he, he's just too real. He's always kept it real. And I wanted to ask you a story, you know, in, in a world where everyone's trying to BS people and make people, you know, feel better and, and not, you know, show their hand when they're doing deals and types of things. Have, do you have a story in your career when you, when keeping it real has gone wrong for you? When you, you've been real, maybe with the player, with someone, but then they've 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 not been able to handle that realness, and and uh, or maybe it goes right. I don't know. Either way, either way, the story may go. Um, but just just one of those stories uh, throughout your career, maybe from AAU or OKC or whatever it may be. I don't think keeping it real can ever go wrong. I mean, <laughs> okay, good. It's going. 
uh, I mean, I'm gonna give them the same message. <laughs> it's just how you gonna take it. So uh, I don't think that can go wrong at all. Um, guys appreciate it. They might not appreciate it in the moment, but they'll come back a week, a month, years later and say, I appreciate their coach. I appreciate you telling me the truth. I think most times young players, you know, they want to play and uh, it's about establishing themselves in the league. And um, I try to get them to understand it's about establishing yourself as a professional first, building good professional habits and things of that nature. So that is, um, that's been a challenge to get young people to understand that. Kevin said it, and I tell him, I told him a story uh, he and I had. I told him he was, uh, I mean, he's a complete gym rat, workaholic, um, tremendous young man. And uh, at the time coming up to his first contract, his first big contract, he was nervous. And I told him that year, I said, listen, the contract will take care of itself. Keep building your professional habits and the chips will fall. I said, if you're the player that uh, we believe you are, will win and the contracts take care of himself. He went out that year, made the all-star team. Uh, we won 50 games. The rest was history. Uh, but he um, he was very nervous going into that year about how things looked because we hadn't won. He had been there one year in Seattle. We hadn't won. First year in OKC, we hadn't won. So he's going into his third year. And, you know, he was like, can we win? Can we turn it around? You know, what's my contract going to look like? And I told him those things would take care of, take care of himself. Uh, and it did. He went on to uh, have a great season and turn the franchise around. So uh, that was a uh, keeping a real moment that uh, worked out since he, he was the guy that came out and said it out, uh, flip it and say it about him. You, you know, Troy, um, you know, one of the things here is we like to include the next generation and your resume and what you've achieved speaks for itself professionally. And I get asked this question all the time and I would like for you to share with that next generation who aspire to do what you're doing. What would be, what would be one of the things that you would share with that next generation who want to be the next Troy Weaver, who wants to do what you're currently doing because it's more than just drafting a player. All of the things they can't see, and one of the words you use and is professionalism. But what is one of the things that you would share with the next generation who will look at you and say, I want to do or be that guy? Uh, this kind of ties in with um, what's going on in the country right now. Uh, actually, in the world right now, I had this conversation with my kids and there's been a question about the um, social justice that's going on right now. And so what's happening is it just wasn't George Floyd. It just wasn't a one day thing, you know, rally after rally after rally after rally. It hadn't subsided. Um, and it hadn't subsided because there's no distractions. There's no NBA finals. There's no movie, there's no party, there's no parade, there's no distractions right now in the world. So everybody has a focus on what's in front of them and what's important. And I would say to 
the young people, like I've been telling my kids, you got to limit, you have to eliminate the distractions. If you want to be successful, if you have a goal, you have a dream, you have to eliminate distractions. And um, I wasn't uh, fortunate enough to be an NBA player or any of those things, but I wanted to be around the game. And so I eliminated distractions going climbing a ladder from an AU coach. I started off as a volunteer and high school coach in my old high school, AAU coach to a college coach, uh, to an NBA scout, uh, to a front office executive. It's because I eliminated distractions. I kept my focus. Uh, I kept tunnel vision on the goal. And to be successful, you have to eliminate distractions. To become a great player, same thing. To become a great producer, uh, same thing. Uh, to become a great musician, you have to eliminate distractions and focus on uh, the goal at hand. And uh, I think that we're learning that lesson right now in the pandemic. People eliminating distractions. Uh, they're focusing more on what's really important. Everywhere I look, people have lost weight. People in great shape now. They eliminate distractions. Uh, it's funny, the car wash just opened recently. And I used to go to this one car, car wash and Line needs to be down the street, but it's not anymore because people washing their cars, they say, I don't need to pay this anymore. So it's just different. So um, to the young people out there that aspire to be a general manager or NBA player or a doctor or lawyer, eliminate distractions, stay focused, uh, put your blinders on and you, you can get there. I think that's a final great note to, to end on there. You know, in, you know, get the distractions out of the way, put your blinders on, and, and stay focused on the mission. We appreciate you coming on. Trey Weaver, the general manager of the Detroit Pistons. That sounds pretty good. Uh, BJ, I, I know you're fired up about this, oh. and I think when, when we see the pick, we'll know it's a real Piston at this point. That, that's the final <laughs> message to the public. When the pick comes in in October, a Piston is coming to town, and that's what people want to hear. Well, we know that. You look great in that hat, I got to say. And... When the, we get past this pandemic, I gotta I gotta take you out to get a Detroit Coney Island, just you and I, and we gotta <laughs> spill and we gotta spill a little bit of that that sauce on your tie, and then that's when we know you family. <laughs> Let me say this in, in in closing as well. The last dance was terrific. I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, I had my popcorn ready. But let me go on record. That jersey behind Mr. Armstrong right now with the 33 on it, for me, that's the greatest of all time. Oh, and oh. we can have that debate later. We, we gotta have, have this. But, but that 33 and, and purple and gold, he's the greatest of all time for me. And we, we can discuss that later. Hey, hey. Will you please come back? I know you got a lot of work to do right now. We need that top five. We need that. We need that top five, and we will get back. But that jersey behind me—that's thirty-three thousand points. And this other jersey over there, okay, that's another jersey over there. Hey, 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 hey! That man there scored a hundred points in one game. <laughs>